Homeschooling is an extension of parenting. You're already a mother. You already have your children's best interest at heart. Adding in this idea of home education, it's not a new role. It's just an extension of what you already do. You already put your children first. Welcome to the Freely Rooted Podcast, where we are passionate about helping women reclaim their metabolisms, restore their youthful vitality, and rediscover God's original design for motherhood and wellness. We are your hosts, Fallon and Corey, and we're so glad you're joining us for season four. If you're new here, be sure to listen to our previous episodes where we talk through many of our favorite foundational topics. Now grab your favorite nourishing drink and join us as we continue discussing simple, attainable, and life-changing approaches to wellness. Hi guys, welcome back to the Freely Rooted Podcast. I'm your host, Fallon, and so sadly, our lovely co-host, Corey, couldn't join us today, um, so she will be missed, but I am so excited to sit down with Lindsay. Lindsay has an account on Instagram called Treehouse Schoolhouse, and we are going to talk all about homeschool today. And I love this conversation because I swore that I would never homeschool my children, and then here we are in year three of homeschooling, and I literally could not imagine doing anything differently. And Lindsay's account has become a recent complete obsession of mine. Um, (laughs) She has got just the most beautiful, gracious homeschool advice and resources. And you can just tell that she and her household are just so fun and so full of life. Um, So Lindsay, I'm so honored that you're here today. Thank you so much for sitting down with us. And I would love to begin with you just telling us a little bit about yourself, your family, um, your homeschool journey. You know, how did you guys decide on homeschooling? Tell us all about your, your family life. Okay. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really honored to be here too. So I have a pretty unique story in that education has always been a passion of mine. And uh, before I was a mother, I actually had a position as a nanny and they asked if I would um, be interested in homeschooling their children. So I started out as a nanny and they wanted to pull, they had two children and they both had some special needs Um, one related to being adopted and the other had some um, learning disabilities. So they wanted to be homeschooled, but they felt like the parents didn't have the capacity. So they asked if I would be willing to do that. And so I went to some training and did a lot of reading. And so here I am, a single woman learning about education. And I was uh, public school educated myself, but I just started to see like the beauty of what it could be. And I'm very thankful that they gave me a lot of freedom to experiment and to learn like it doesn't have to look like a public school classroom in a home. And so mm-hmm. we ended up doing school in a treehouse and in a canoe and all over the place and really adapting everything to this child's needs. So we would take uh, workbook pages and I would turn them into games because this child needed to move and things like that. And I started to see this child who didn't want to write or read within six months, just loving to learn and falling in love with books. And I just was like, there's no other way for me. I'm 100% homeschooling when I have kids. Mm -hmm. And so I met my husband at the same time I was working in that job. And I basically told him from the beginning, like, just so you know, like, this is my dream is to homeschool. And so he hadn't had much experience with it, but I think he just saw my passion and, you know, that my gifting was really in teaching as well. And so he never really questioned it. So that's kind of where it started. And we've had to go through a lot of sacrifices financially for me to stay home and do that, but it's been so worth it. So I had, uh, I have four children now. My oldest is nine 
And then I have a seven-year-old, a three-year-old. Well, actually he's four today. He's literally he four happy today. birthday. I know. That's so sweet. And then um, I have a two-year-old. So two, four, seven, and nine. And we started dabbling in the world of homeschooling. It's such like a natural transition at the beginning that it's hard to like pinpoint the day, mm-hmm. but probably when my oldest was four, four or five, you know, we started um, doing a little more intentional things that had to do with education. And so, yeah, it's been on our journey this whole time. Let's see, my husband, he is a full-time carpenter. He owns his own business. I run Treehouse Schoolhouse. Wow. Uh, we are currently in the phase of him transitioning to help me more with my business and um, really the world that that's opened up for him to help us mm-hmm. with homeschooling as well. I love that. So that's kind of the vision for our family. Yeah, that's amazing. I love that you touched on your background. I did not know this about you, that you actually like nanny homeschool taught for a while. <laughs> and that's so sweet. I love the emphasis that you put on, you know, kids who just need a different learning environment. And I can mm-hmm. so relate to that because I feel like my children also very much fall into that category. And to be honest, I think a lot of kids do. I think that, you know, a lot of kids just really benefit, especially at that younger age from space to move. And like you said, do school in different places. I mean, you know, we have a homeschool room, but we do school all over the place, you know, on the trampoline in the, in the playhouse at the outside table, Mm -hmm. you know, in our beds. And I love the vision of just like letting kids move and how that really does enhance their learning. I mean, I've seen such a difference in my kids, even, you know, I, I know that homeschool moms a lot of the time just talk about how year to year you just so change your expectations and how you implement schooling with your kids. And I feel like I sort of started as, you know, I, wanting to be a more structured homeschool mom that like, okay, this is our homeschool table and this is where we sit to do homeschool and you must sit down in a chair. And mm-hmm. I feel like that's just changed so much as you just kind of get to know like the true nature of kids and their need for, you know, movement and breaks and activities. And so I I love that you touched on that. And you did mention kind of the general age that you sort of started implementing some of these things with your kids. But one of the most common questions we got on Instagram when we told people you were coming on is, you know, what would you tell parents who are wondering, you know, what age do I start and how should I start implementing homeschool? And then I would love to hear your thoughts on, you know, timeframe, you know, what is homeschool time commitment look like as opposed to a standard school setting? I, that was another big question that that parents had. Okay. So I honestly don't love that question when people ask me that question sure. of when do okay. you start? Because mm-hmm. I think what we need to do is get our minds out of this is parenting and this is homeschooling and realize mm. that truly homeschooling is an extension of motherhood. It's an extension of parenting and it's an extension of our home life. And so when we start thinking about it that way, then you start to realize that like your two-year-old is technically doing school because Mm -hmm. you're stirring muffin batter with them and you're talking to them about blueberries. And then you read a book that happens to have blueberries that night and they're making a connection. They're doing school for a Mm -hmm. two-year-old. But I didn't sit down and have a curriculum or a plan or say, now we're going to do this thing. And so really like the advice that I give to everyone to make it a little more practical and concrete is what atmosphere do you want to set in your home that will lend itself well to education? Mm. That should be the first question we're asking. Not at what point do I sit my child down and say, today's the first day of school, but early in those early years, even if you have babies and you don't, you don't have school age children yet, the question to start asking yourself is what culture 
And what atmosphere do I want in my home so that when it's really time for them to learn to read and write and learn all of these things, that it's just such a natural transition because we're already, our whole life is already set up for this. Mm -hmm. I can't say like you should start when they're age four or age five or age six, because there is a difference between natural learning and like a formal education. And for formal education, meaning like there's expectation and we sit down you need to learn how to write a paper. Like those types of things happen for, in our family, more like six, seven, eight years old. But until then, there are tons of other intentional things happening in my home. They're just not considered a formal lesson. Mm-hmm. But behind the scenes, in my heart and in my mind, there is a lot of intentionality going on. You know, and to be more specific, for example, my first goal is for my children to absolutely fall in love with literature. And so from the age, from the very beginning of their life, I am making sure that my home is filled with only the best of the best books, reading constantly and filling my home with those books and then making real life connections from the books. Mm -hmm. There are so many ways that you can do that. And it's so much fun, especially in those early years. But that's one of my main goals. Do I call that school? I don't really call that school, but it is. You know what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. I would love to know too, to piggyback off of that, you know, you said that you do introduce some formal subjects early on, like, you know, literature, reading, and that a lot of it is very just fluid. Because I know there's some different sort of schools of thought in terms of like, okay, when my kid is in kindergarten, first grade, second grade, what are the core subjects Mm -hmm. that I should be focusing on? And there was a great conversation on an Instagram post of mine from a couple weeks back about homeschool, where some moms were talking about how, you know, math, for example, there are some homeschool moms that really stand behind math not being introduced as a core subject until nearly second grade. And as I was thinking through that, you know, we kind of had a loose math curriculum our first couple of years. But to be honest, I think we did about half of them each year. Mm-hmm. And I think that there was a reason for that. I think that my kids at five, six years old weren't super ready to sit down and do, you know, like a thorough math Mm -hmm. curriculum. And so I'd love to know for your kids and in your home, you know, what are the things that you focus on in those early years? And what are the subjects that you feel like, okay, maybe we'll dive into that in a more structured way when they are a bit older? Okay. So I've already mentioned some of those early. So when we're talking like preschool, you know, I'm talking about life connections, uh, practical life skills, lots of reading, like I said, falling in love with books, Mm -hmm. because that's really setting them up for the future. But then when it gets into being to like five and six years old, I allow them to lead the way, but I definitely introduce like letters and number, just experiences with those. So getting familiar, Mm -hmm. you know, like my son, his name is Huck. So he's obsessed with the letter H. So like he finds H's everywhere. He draws them with sidewalk chalk, my Mm four-year-old. I'm not going to sit down and go, oh, now he wants to know about H. So now let's learn all of the things about the alphabet. Sure. It's going to happen naturally. So, I would say that, and then also numbers and even skip counting, like simple, basic sorting, things like that, at a very natural way. So, we're walking in the forest and he's picking up rocks, and I say, Hey, how many rocks do you have? And we count the rocks. And then when we're cooking, you know, okay, I need three scoops of this, let's count, things like that. So, natural ways to introduce letters, numbers. And then around age probably six or seven, is when I include more handwriting with an actual pencil. So until then, they pretty much have learned a lot of the ways that letters and numbers look. They can recognize them. They maybe drew them for a year in a salt tray or with sidewalk chalk. But Mm -hmm. not until age six or seven do I actually give them a pencil. At that point, their fingers are ready. 
And, you know, Mm -hmm. every child's different, just like with walking or anything else. Sure. But around that age, I've seen that that's when they're confident and they're ready to pick up that pencil. And so we might introduce like actual handwriting paper and trying to get them to form their letters in a more structured way. Mm -hmm. But pretty much everything else, like pretty much it's math and language arts for the first couple of years that really matters in a very gentle Mm -hmm. way and lots and lots of literature. (laughs) I can't emphasize that as much too much. And then really history, geography, all of that starts to trickle in through story at first. And then in a more structured way, I would say around, you know, age seven, eight, Mm -hmm. nine. I love that. And I'm already experiencing, I'm like, I'm not just speaking this from, I have preschoolers and I've read books about this, but like, I've seen children through this now. Yeah. And I've seen that it's okay to relax and to let it happen naturally, you know? Yeah. I love that advice because I think that a lot of homeschool moms with the best of intentions really just stress themselves out in the early years thinking, okay, well, I have to have a science curriculum and I have to have history and I have to have all these Mm -hmm. things. And I feel like I was one of those moms, you know, in in my first year of schooling thinking like, I knew a lot of other fantastic homeschool moms in person that were years ahead of me. And so I think that it's easy to look at somebody that does have older kids and think, okay, well, I've got to cram all those Mm -hmm. subjects in with my kindergartner or my first grader. And you just don't. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of moms just set themselves up for failure, not realizing that, you know, learning is just so play-based in those early years. And, you know, it's amazing. I think back to, you know, when my kids were five, six years old, and they would swing for hours at a time. We have a little place set in the back and they would swing for hours. And that was a great time for us to do. Like we would sing our ABCs. We would mm-hmm. skip count. We would, you know, mm-hmm. there's so many things that you can do while kids are playing that doesn't require them to sit down at a desk. And I think yeah. that, you know, I was one of those moms that expected my kids to be ready to sit down and do handwriting at age five, six, and they just weren't. So I love mm-hmm. that you, you know, gave that advice because I think it just gives moms a whole lot of grace in how they approach those early years. And another big question that came up quite a bit was curriculum and how it just, you know, Mm -hmm. can be such a a beast to decide what to to choose for your family, because there's just so many resources out there, which can be a beautiful Mm -hmm. thing. And also kind of a curse that Mm -hmm. it's just overwhelming the amount of Mm -hmm. curriculum choices there are. And so I would love to hear, you know, what your advice would be to moms who are kind of struggling Maybe you can address it in in the sense of, you know, younger kids and maybe a bit older, but like, how would you encourage moms to just kind of confidently choose either curriculum or, you know, methodology or whatever that may be for their children? How do we kind of cut through the noise Mm -hmm. to figure out, you know, what works for our family? My greatest piece of advice that I give moms is the first order of business being figuring out what you believe about education and starting there. So you can do that by number one, if you're taking your child out of public school, you need to spend some time de-schooling is essentially what it's called. And I have a blog post about this. I've done a lot of research about this, but basically you need to unlearn everything you've learned about education. And a lot of us need to do that anyway, because we were raised in not in a home education environment. And so we need to unlearn all of these things. What is success in education? What am I really looking for? What are the goals for my child? Are they that they pass a test? Well, why? Mm -hmm. Why do we need to pass a test if I know everything they're learning every day? So it's, it's asking yourself these questions and going back to the beginning and saying like, okay, I want to start from scratch here. What do I believe about all of these things? And you may come to some different conclusions than I come to, and that's okay. But you need to know what you stand for before you pick a curriculum. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, you need, it's, it's like, you need to know 
why you believe what you believe so that you know when you're looking at something, you're going to be able to see, oh, this does not match the direction that I want in our home. And so going back to the root and the core of what you believe is first, and you can do that through um, what I did really was reading a ton of books, reading a lot of blogs, and really just learning from people who I would watch their life on Instagram or in a blog or listen to a podcast and be like, that resonates with me. Okay, I want to learn more. Mm -hmm. And so being a, a student of of education first as the mom, as the parents and deciding with your husband, deciding with the Lord, like, what do we believe about education? What do we want our home to be like? What do we want for our children? What are our goals? And then from there, you can pick up a piece of curriculum and you can say, okay, this has elements in it that are going to help me reach those goals. Or this is structured in such a way that does not match my student, you know, my child's learning style or my teaching style, or this actually that wouldn't fit in my home. And so there's not a right list and a wrong list of curriculum out there. It's a more what makes sense for your family list. And you need to know what that is before you go looking for curriculum. Mm -hmm. So that's true for if you're at the very beginning of this journey, either when you have little ones or you're taking your fifth grader out of school and you're switching to homeschool. So I really want to encourage you if you're in that position to take some time to de-school, basically to even wait six months and allow the focus of your home to be setting that atmosphere, having good routines in your family, making connections, overcoming any hurdles or insecurities your child's having about school, Mm. all of those things before you start over in a brand new way. Yeah. And I think, you know, too, I was so shocked that it took really a few years to kind of figure out, you know, what worked for my family and for my kids. And, you know, I have to laugh, like we've done a different math curriculum every single year, because every year I chose something (laughs) that I thought, okay, this is going to be great. And then it just didn't really fit our family. And so I, you know, it's, it's hard sometimes to find that balance of like, okay, it's okay to commit to something and it's okay to change. You know, it's, you, you just have so much time and fluidity and you had actually recommended the book Teaching from Rest somewhere mm-hmm. on your account. Mm-hmm. And I loved that book. Mm-hmm. So, so good at that. And um, The Life-Giving Home mm-hmm. by Sally Clarkson. Mm-hmm. I just are so beautiful. And I think those are just really good resources to kind of help you figure out what you want your home to look like. And I love just, you know, the freedom that we have as homeschool moms to, you know, kind of include our own interests and our own desires. I think it was um, teaching from rest that Mm -hmm. really talked about, you know, as a mom, as a homeschool mom, it is important to sit down and make a list of things that you need to thrive and make a list of things that, you know, you want to see included in your homeschool curriculum. And I think that's one of the best pieces of homeschool advice I've ever gotten was that, you know, you as a homeschool mom need to have connection to your uh, curriculum or teaching or whatever Mm. that looks like, you know, things that make you thrive and that make you tick. So, you know, we include, for example, um, homegrown education has a fantastic elementary age nutrition workbook. Mm -hmm. And so I love that. And so I bring that into our homeschool and like, you know, read alouds. like I'm such a, you know, huge reader. And I know that we have that in common and it's just so sweet Mm -hmm. to be able to pull that into your homeschool rhythm Mm -hmm. and really honor yourself as a teacher, as a mom, you know, when you're choosing your curriculum, I'd love to hear if you have any other resources to add about, you know, finding your homeschool style or, you know, whether that's books. And I know, you know, there's all these quizzes about, are you Charlotte Mason? Are you, you know, Waldorf? I have one of those on my website. I love it. Okay. Yes. So (laughs) go take Lindsay's quiz first of all. (laughs) 
Um, do you want to talk about that at all? The, you know, finding your, your sort of homeschool style and, you know, if you feel like that has really influenced the way that you teach or did you sort of have a style that fleshed out regardless of a, a quiz or not? Yeah, I definitely didn't like start with nothing, take a quiz and go, now I'm going to be all that. Yeah. The quiz and those kinds of things I think are more for figuring out what you're already inclined to be, you know, what you're already mm -hmm. leaning towards. If you completely have no idea, it can definitely give you a starting point for research. Sure. But I always want to encourage moms that like you can be eclectic and you can have like a little bit of this mm -hmm. and a little bit of that. And I really love what you said about, you know, honoring you as the mother in your home with the curriculum that you choose. But I also think like passing down a legacy of your family culture, like of who you are as yeah. a parent and who your husband is like, for me, I'm a very creative person. And so... Mm -hmm. I could not homeschool without creativity being a part of it. Like that's just who we are. Whereas, you know, a friend next door might be like obsessed with classical conversations because they're all into like Latin and all these things. And that mm -hmm. just like makes my head hurt. Right. You know, and then bringing in your husband, like my husband is a hiker and an outdoorsman and a woodworker. So like he teaches mm -hmm. them skills and things. And I think that's such a beautiful gift that we can pass to our children that like, we are the Mimna family. Mm -hmm. This is who we are. This is what we love. And including what our kids love. Like my son is very musical. None of us are yeah. so much, but like now we're including <laughs> that into our home education because it's who mm -hmm. he is. Anyway, back to the methods though. I feel like you can, you could really do that in any of those methodologies, but if you're just starting out, finding out what those methods are, starting to dig deep, like, okay, what is a Charlotte Mason education? reading books about it, listening mm -hmm. to podcasts about it, and then going, I resonate with that. I resonate with that part, but not that part. Take notes. Like I really encourage moms, like this is your career. Mm -hmm. Take it seriously. It's a, it's a, it's an important responsibility mm -hmm. and you can do other things too. Like obviously you and I have other things, other passions that we do, but I definitely view homeschooling as like, this is a responsibility that God has given me for this time in my life. I'm going to take it seriously. Mm -hmm. It can be fun and free and all of that. But I need to be take it seriously and go, Lord, what do you want me to do with this? And he can also guide us mm. in the best ways that our children need to learn and the ways that we as moms can thrive. Because this is a long journey. Homeschooling is a long commitment. So we need to be feeling, you know, like we're in this for the long haul and we can be. Right. And setting ourselves up for, for success in that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I love so much of what you said. I love just the thought process of, you know, your family culture and really curating mm -hmm. that. And I think that is so beautiful because, I mean, we do have our own desires and passions as parents. And I, I had mentioned the the book by Sally Clarkson, The Life-Giving. I mean, she's got a series, Life-Giving Home, Life-Giving Parent, Life-Giving mm -hmm. Table. And it's really mm -hmm. focused in on creating that family culture. And I think that's just beautiful. I, I think that it's so important to really mm -hmm. hone in on that. And then the other thing you said that I wanted to touch back on, the commitment, I want to hone in on that because yeah. that was such a good point. So I had this sort of personal revelation this year in our schooling, you know, we're entering our third or third and a half year. I don't, you know, cause we, we pulled yeah. my son from kindergarten midway. So we also had okay. to do that, like sort of, you know, unschooling okay. or deschooling for a bit. But I realized as I was planning this year, I had, I had this moment where I sort of had to get real with myself and I. I realized that I had not been giving homeschool the commitment that it deserved. I had not really been owning my role as an educator. I had been, mm -hmm. you know, using 
suggestions from, you know, friends or, you know, whoever that were really beautiful and wonderful, but I had not taken the time to evaluate what I need as a homeschool mom and what I want my family culture to look like. And I think that's one Mm -hmm. of the biggest things that really made a shift in the way that education happens in my home is that I, at the beginning of this year, had to take the time to dive into resources, to read life-giving books, Mm -hmm. to read, you know, those books that I mentioned that you had suggested, you know, to really dive into different methodologies and different rhythms and, you know, morning basket ideas. And I mean, all of the things that go into a homeschool culture, I feel like I had not really owned that yet, that I had been kind of you know, going off other people's suggestions, which are wonderful. And that's where, you know, ultimately a lot of my stuff comes from because there are other moms who've been homeschooling for, you know, decades now that have beautiful, wonderful advice. But it was important for me to take the time to sift through that with my own family culture in mind, with the education habits that my kids have had for the past couple of years in mind. Um, And that kind of led me I think to your resources. And that's really how I started diving into your account and your um, website so much because I had this moment where I was like, I've got to own my role as an educator. Mm. I've been kind of, you know, dilly dallying in this a little Mm. bit and not really taking on this role. And I had, you know, several weeks where I planned our curriculum and our year and our, you know, days and our weeks. And I would love to hear, you know, I know you have so many good resources on planning and on structuring yeah. your your days, your weeks, your year. Um, I would love to know, you know, how that process looks for you, what advice you have for moms who are in that planning stage. And then, you know, what is kind of your typical rhythm for, you know, your days, weeks, and years with your kiddos at this point? Sure. This question is like, I can give overarching advice, but then when it gets down to the nitty gritty, it's going to be so individualized to your family. For the, sure. The biggest reason, well, there's a few reasons. The biggest reason is ages of your children. Mm-hmm. I have a two and four-year-old who rule our home. <laughs> right. <laughs> as so they like, do at two and four. As they do at two and four. Uh-huh. And so I have to be, keep that in mind. I also have yeah. to keep in mind having a part-time job mm-hmm. um, with my with my business. And so, you know, every, that is that is the beauty of homeschooling though, is that I can tell you what my daily rhythm is and you can glean ideas, but then you can sit down and, you know, make it your own. Mm-hmm. When it comes to a full school year, we personally have chosen to school year round. Mm-hmm. The reason we do that is because I want to take two weeks off whenever I want and go travel. Yeah. I also want to, maybe I have a big product launch and it's too stressful for me to homeschool full load And then switch gears and do a full launch, you know, that week. And so I say, we're going to do a a half school week, um, lighter days, or one of my kids is sick. And so we just, all the kids are not doing school that week. So I just like the flexibility personally. I do take like two to three weeks off in the summer so I can like switch everything to the new year. And we do pretend like, woo, new school year. But schooling year round has really been beneficial to us. Also, I've had a baby like, I feel like every year of my life, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, when you have a baby, you take a lot. I I would, at the end of my pregnancy, I would take time off at the beginning Mm -hmm. of newborn stage. I would take time off. We've also moved a lot. So any of those big life changes, you know, the reality is homeschool, like you, you're not just homeschooling, like you're also mothering and you're also cleaning a house and you're also still a Mm -hmm. wife and a friend. And, you know, you don't, you can't just turn it on and turn it off. Like you, you drop your kid off at school and pick them up. Like, the dishwasher is imploding and then someone's knocking on the door and you're in the middle of math lessons. Yesterday, my two-year-old peed 
while my on the floor while my four year old slipped in it while I was teaching math. Oh no. <laughs> Just typical day in the life. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's like, okay. But the reality is like, it's okay for us to like take a pause Mm -hmm. and like go a little slower and maybe cut lessons that day because I school you around. So it helps me relax to do that. Mm -hmm. And so that's a year. And then I do choose curriculum and they, you know, for the year as a core, normally they are, you know, set up for anywhere between like 26 and 34 weeks is like a typical year of school Mm -hmm. for a lot of these curriculum. Sometimes I might take one week and expand it to two weeks. I might, you know, like do whatever I'm the boss, but you know, like that's kind of the big thing. Um, but I like to plan it chunks, chunks at a time, like a month at a time. I like to look ahead, Mm -hmm. get my materials. I'm, I do best if I'm just incredibly prepared ahead of time, um, rather than trying to do it every weekend. I like Mm -hmm. to plan in big batches, get all my library books for four weeks, try to, you know, order all my stuff. And then also look at our calendar and go, I think we're going to go to apple picking. Okay, I'm going to learn about apples that week. So it's also to adapt our life to what we're learning and make it more of a fun experience for all of us. And then, you know, some weekly planning. But as far as a day in the life, currently, I'm going to include my little ones and I'll move through it sort of quickly. But I am an early riser. I need time alone before my children Mm -hmm. get up. That's when I spend time in the word. It's when I even sometimes I bake this morning. I got up at five and baked bread because uh-huh. I just enjoy time in the kitchen with no yeah. children. Some mornings I work out. And so I'm usually up between 4.30 and 5. Um, I know many of you are rolling your eyes at that. It's okay. I do go to bed at like 8.30 <laughs> or 9. So everybody can do their own thing. Yeah. But this is what works for me. My kids are also up mm-hmm. pretty early. So they're up between six, you know, 6 and 7. Sure. And so, um, one thing that we've prioritized in the last few years is my husband, since he owns his own business, he doesn't start his day till about eight, eight thirty, so that he can help lead us in the Bible over breakfast. And so that's been a priority for us. That's like his mm-hmm. a first big step we've taken for him to be more involved in our, in our day and in our education. And so, um, I kind of manage the little ones while he leads Bible while we eat breakfast and then around eight, he leaves. We do some family chores, family responsibilities. Everybody has their own chores that we do. We gather back again for like that morning time, that morning basket around 930, 9, 930. And at that time, I try to do things that include my little ones as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I use the nature study curriculum that I've created because I wanted to create something that was family centered. And so there are things in there that your two-year-old will enjoy all the way up to your early middle schoolers. And so that's when we really dive into that. And it's just like a really inviting way to start our day too with mm-hmm. songs and, you know, picture books and things like that. So we do that. And then my little ones go off to play and my older children have independent work for about an hour. And I kind of hop between them while keeping the little ones alive while they're peeing on the floor, mm-hmm. you know, right? <laughs> all the good stuff. Yeah. Um, and then when my little ones have nap time and rest time is when I save the most intense part of our lessons where Mm -hmm. I need to be one-on-one. I need to read aloud. I need to help them with their writing, things like that. Mm -hmm. And that's about another hour. So all of that added up, we probably do school between three and four hours a day Mm -hmm. at this point with a second and fourth grader. And so that answers that question as well as kind of how much, you know, it's, it's a gradual thing, but I think one rule of thumb I've heard is one hour per year. So if they're first graders, you really only need about one hour you know, second graders too. Mm. Ours is a little on the longer side because we do so much art. Sure. (laughs) And because my kids love, love to do that. Mm -hmm. And so if we took out art and baking, 
and things like that, which is like hard to even consider school, but it is, um, it would be less. Yeah. And then the rest of the day, my children spend outside or they spend Mm -hmm. doing projects. They are building a cardboard house. They are climbing trees. They're building forts. We have friends over. I mean, so much of their day is a continuing Mm -hmm. of their education. My kids are like crazy readers, hours and hours a day reading that I don't consider their actual school time, but it is. Right. So Mm -hmm. all of these things, or they'll, we'll learn something in school. And then the next thing I know, the afternoon, my daughter's in the woods playing Pocahontas because we read a book about Uh Pocahontas. Okay. So that (laughs) is cool. You know, so it's set again, it's setting up your home and your atmosphere, leaving margins in your day Mm -hmm. for play, not turning on the television, not over scheduling your kids with activities so that they have this room to process the information in which you presented Mm -hmm. to them in the short sense of learning in formal education. And so I see our whole day as learning, but basically the rest of the day is that Mm -hmm. um, I'm either working in the afternoons or I'm doing all those things with them doing housework dinner and we do read alouds at night. And that's kind of our, our full day. We Mm -hmm. don't run around and do a bunch of sports, a bunch of activities. Sure. We have pretty slow, a pretty slow life. Mm -hmm. And I think that that, that aids itself to peace. Yeah, absolutely. It lends itself to peace and to allowing your children to have self-education as well. Mm -hmm. Like I mentioned. I love that. That's beautiful. I feel like we're so similar in our approach to kind of the flow of our day and we we school year round too and this year something I'm excited about is we're gonna do six weeks on and one week off just as a constant rotation which is Mm -hmm. new to us I have never done it this way before last year we took Fridays off because my husband worked half a day on Fridays but he's home with us now and so I'm like you know what I'm just gonna do this for us we're gonna have like a Sabbath week you know every six weeks we're gonna just take a week off to rest regroup, you know, evaluate um, curriculum, you know, Mm -hmm. what's working and what's not working. And I think that it just is such an important concept that you touched on that, you know, leaving margins in your day, in your year, in your week is just so important. Because like you said, you're not just homeschooling, you are doing, you know, so many other things, spinning so many plates and and not just you, you know, every mom is mm-hmm. carrying to some yes. level their own, you know, just constant to-do list and constant things that they're keeping up with. And so I think leaving that space for peace, for fluidity is so important. And I think the other hard thing that I learned as a homeschool mom, because I am just such a, um, I'm a flow person and not a schedule person. Mm-hmm. And so I think in my first couple of years of homeschooling, I leaned into that too heavily and I didn't have a good plan and a structure mm-hmm. for our entire year and didn't have, you know, kind of a, at least loose framework for what I wanted the year to yeah. look like the day to look like the week to look like. And I kind of had to learn the hard way because I, I think we're in the season now where we found sort of this, this perfect balance between structure and, flexibility because I, you know, it's, it's wild to me how much I've watched my kids change in their attitudes to homeschooling because we're so much more structured this year. You know, for the first couple of years, I feel like we were kind of surviving. And so it was like, okay, let's power through language arts and let's Mm. power through math because my kids were little and I was probably expecting just way too much from them. But now that they have the capacity to sit down in school for longer periods of time and they know that, you know, like I said, I feel like our days look very similarly. We do, you know, breakfast as a family and then we we will probably do like a Bible time and then chores and then morning time where we do like, 
handwriting, you know, read alouds. We have your wonderful uh, morning time binder with a calendar and time and weather and all that fun stuff mm-hmm. that my kids love. And then we'll do, you know, emotional concepts in that time and, you know, things that don't really fit into like our core subjects and then come back to those later. But my kids are doing so much better with that rhythm as opposed to like, okay, well, we might do school at 10 o'clock. I don't know. We might do it at two. And I think there's this, this really great middle ground that we can fall into as moms, because I was just so free flowing that it was like, oh, we're just so flexible. And I didn't, I I didn't commit enough to having a structure. And so I think it's beautiful that you have really communicated well that, you know, your family does so well. And most families do so well of having a structure, but also tons of flexibility, because I think there's just this perfect sweet spot that we can fall into. And I know you talked about, you know, you currently have young ones in tow. Um, I would love to hear, you know, you kind of touched on how you include them in morning time, and, you know, they do have their own rest time, but I know this is a big struggle for moms, myself included. I've got a three-year-old right now who's very busy. He's our third kid. So he's, okay. you know, a quintessential third yeah. tornado child where he just does what he wants mm-hmm. and <laughs> is just precious and wild. Yep. And I know that's a big struggle for many moms that have young ones is they're like, how do I do this with a toddler? So I know you have resources about this on your website and profile, but I would love to hear, you know, functionally How can we make it easier as moms when we do have babies and toddlers in tow? You know, what activities can we include for them? You know, functionally, how do we make this work with little bitty ones? Yeah, I think that it's hard. It's hard no matter what. I will give you some tips, but like, I think in general, it's just something that everybody has to realize, like, this is a short season and we're going to do our best. And if they're, if our older children are getting less school or if it's not as ideal as we want, or if we can't do all the projects that we want right now, like there will be a time where it will be easier. So just want to encourage you first Mm -hmm. that it's a season and I'm encouraging myself, but I've already seen how quickly it's changed, you know? Yeah. Whereas a year ago I was stopping to nurse every 30 minutes, you know, and I'm like wearing my one-year-old and all of this, Mm -hmm. where now all of a sudden she's two and she just stopped nursing. (laughs) (laughs) I know my last baby. Um, stop for a moment to cry. Right. (laughs) Um, but, but now it's just, she's all of a sudden, you know, going up the stairs and playing blocks for a while by herself. And I can put on an audio book in the next room and they stay occupied for longer. So Mm -hmm. it happens so fast, but there are some practical things that I recommend for sure doing from experience. The first one being to set up your school area in a place where in a close by room, or if not in the same room, you can have a designated play area for those children, you know? Mm -hmm. So we school right at our dining room table and we have a setup in our living room where it's like, this is where they play while we're doing school. Even better is if you can have a safe outdoor space that's off of where you do school, or if you can also do school outside, Mm -hmm. um, set up a table outside where you can take your lessons out there and your, your little ones are safe. Have a, have a sandbox, have a mud kitchen, if there's like a fenced in area, if they're really good about knowing their boundaries, we'll take our read aloud outside. Cause that's a good 45 minutes where I need to read. And there's no way my little ones are going to sit quietly at the table, but they'll play in a sandbox, mm-hmm. you know, and I can read yeah. on a blanket and then having a, a good rotation of quiet ish toys that are special for school time that you can pull out. Um, if they'll sit in a high chair, my two-year-old will still sit in her Ikea high chair buckled in. And so we will just oh, yeah. ride that until it <laughs> dies because she will, she'll sit there tucked under the table and she'll mm-hmm. play sand, kinetic sand or Play-Doh or 
dry erase markers on her Mm -hmm. little preschool morning time menu. She doesn't understand it yet, but she's coloring on those numbers every day. So all of those little activities, you know, setting up those, and I have a blog post of 50 ideas for this with links and free stuff around your house, because it's like one of the number one problems that people do have. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, structuring your day, like I mentioned, where you are filling up their bucket at the beginning of your day. So before we even sit down to do morning time during that chores time, I will intentionally put my phone down, go sit on the floor and play with them for 30 minutes, read them Mm -hmm. books, fill up their love tank so that they're not just like hungry for your attention. And then they're, they're going to do a lot better running off to play. Mm -hmm. And then between when I structured it so that that independent time for my big kids is in between these two other blocks of time. So while my big kids are doing this independent work, I can, again, go back to my little ones, take them outside on a quick bike ride, you know, show them some attention, bring them into the kitchen to help make lunches, just trying to be intentional with any way that you can possibly give them attention during that Mm -hmm. school time to um, do that. You might not be able to sit down and do all these crafts like you did when your big kids were preschoolers, but you can be intentional. And that's really what matters is that quality time. Mm. So those are some of my some of my tips. And then, you know, trying to be creative with your time too. Like it's so hard to read aloud with them. And so I give that to my husband to do at night. Yeah. So he does like an hour of reading aloud to my big kids mm-hmm. while I take the little ones upstairs and read picture books. It's not in our school day. I kind of wish it could be, but it can't right now. Sure. And so we're figuring it out and we're being creative mm-hmm. <laughs> with the time that we do have. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's another thing that's just so beautiful about homeschool is that it doesn't have to necessarily fit into this window. We've kind of adopted that same rhythm too, is that we do read alouds. I mean, during the day when we can, but before bed, when, Mm -hmm. you know, my toddler is already down and that's some of our most precious time is that we do read alouds before bed. And again, I consider Mm -hmm. that schooling still, it's not fitting within, you know, the window of time that you would consider standard schooling, but that's why the fluidity of, you know, being at home is just so precious and so beautiful. And speaking of that kind of flexibility and freedom, you touched on sports and activities a little bit, and I would love to come back to this conversation. Okay. It's super fresh on my mind because I, I'll, I'll share a little bit of our own recent experience just to kind of, you know, put myself out there a bit. And then I would love to hear your answer because okay, I you. think our answers <laughs> are going to be similar. So I'd love to just, you know, again, put myself out there first. But we had registered my eight-year-old for baseball. He's never played before. My husband and I both played growing up. And so we thought, okay, if he's going to have any chance at being good at something, you know, athletic (laughs) uh, wise, it's probably going to be this. So I had enrolled him, you know, he's never played before. He already missed like the T-ball era and the, you know, coach pitch era. So he's like thrown into kid pitch and out of the gate. I know baseball is one of the more intense sports, but Mm -hmm. out of the gate, they want like two practices and two games a week. Mm -hmm. And I, I got the schedule back and I just, I had this week of just evaluating, is this what I want for my family? Mm-hmm. Do I want this rhythm where we are, you know, toting somebody to and from a practice or a game? It was going to be almost every single day of the week. And I had this, again, several day period where I just was thinking through back to that family culture. And I was thinking through, okay, yes. what do I want my kids to pursue long-term? And the answer Mm -hmm. that I kind of came up with for our own family is that, you know, again, my husband and I played organized team sports growing up, you know, he was in private school, I was in public, but we had organized sports that we were a part of. And I think that there was a lot that I, you know, took away from that experience in one way or another. But the truth is, I don't go play softball on the weekends, you know, I'm not really utilizing that skill set anymore. I think if I had done something like, 
you know, piano or guitar that I would have brought that into my adult years. And that's actually one of the the biggest regrets of my childhood is that I'm like, I was in all these sports and I, you know, I was musical. I grew up, you know, singing and, you know, in show choir and things like that, but I did not have formal lessons of any kind for piano, for guitar. And I'm like, I would have loved that. I would have loved to bring that into my adulthood. And so I just started thinking about in terms of my kids, I don't think there's anything wrong with doing organized sports if you feel like that works as a family. Right. For me personally, I landed on, I want to be cultivating hobbies and interests that my kids can bring into adulthood. Mm. Sure. There are some sports that you can bring into adulthood. You know, my husband goes and plays basketball at a church here a couple times a week. And, you know, he and I left to go play tennis or disc golf or things like that. But there are certain things that you really can bring into your adult years and some that you can't. Like I don't envision my kids, you know, playing pickup football on the weekends as 40 year old men, who knows, maybe they will. But I just Mm -hmm. was stopping to think, okay, what are the things that we can curate in our home that are both going to respect the flow and the rhythm that we have as a family and are going to respect uh, or is going to respect their long-term development and interests. So the moral of the story is that I pulled my son from baseball because I just, I'm like, he's eight years old. The games were going to be at 7.45 PM. They were going to be an hour and a half long. My goodness. And there were going to be several practices and games per week. There goes your read aloud hour. I know. And that's the most (laughs) important thing we do to me. Um, So I just, you know, I had this moment where I'm like, okay, I know my son wants to play and he wants to be, you know, involved in something that is a little bit more organized and I just had to take a step back and try to honor both him and our family culture. And, you know, what we decided to do is kind of shift from an organized baseball league. And we talked about, you know, getting together with other families and friends that we have for like a pickup baseball game. And, you know, we're going to pursue piano lessons and, you know, things like rock climbing and, you know, things that they're mm-hmm. going to truly be able to take into their adult years. And that was just a, a really important week for me, you know, as I like enrolled my son in baseball and then thought, what am I doing? Is this what I actually want for my family? And again, do not hear me say that I'm saying like, oh, you probably shouldn't put your kids in organized sports. That's not what I'm saying at all. I think that there are ways to find that balance and make that work for your family. For me personally, I feel like I just have really so wanted to protect the space of, you know, mealtimes together Mm -hmm. and bedtimes together and, you know, having that read aloud time and having that peace and fluidity in our home. And I feel like we would align here a little bit. So I, again, wanted to set you up with my own response so that you didn't Mm -hmm. feel like you have to answer a certain way, but you know, I would love to hear a little bit more details on how your family has handled things like sports and activities, because you do have several children. And that's another Mm -hmm. big thing is that, you know, one child being involved in activities is different than having a family with, you know, three, four kids where, I mean, imagine that everyone wanted to participate in something and your entire week is then dedicated to, you know, constantly coming and going. So I would love to hear, you know, currently and long-term, what's the vision that you have for your family in terms of uh, kind of extracurricular commitments? Yeah. I mean, we haven't made like a, a whole, you know, plan for the long haul, but sure. I, I agree with you with, you know, honoring your family culture and your time and then how much, how many hours a day I want my children to be free to choose what they do with their day. The amount of things they come up with that blow my mind, just the creativity mm-hmm. and the pursuing of their own interests, you know, that they do. And I want to leave margin where if I see, you know, one of my children interested in something that I have the margin and they have the margin and we have the time to research that thing, to learn that thing for me to find a little class on it or something like that. But just Mm -hmm. to do a blanket, we're going to put you in this sport 
like to me, that's not actually honoring them as a whole person. Sure. I will say though, if I saw that one of my children was really inclined to a certain sport and so you have to figure out how to find that out. And so, you know, if I saw that, then I would revisit that. And I would say, just like I would with allowing piano or, you Mm -hmm. know, allowing these things in our schedule, then I would maybe chase down that sport a little bit more. But one thing that I found is a community PE class Mm -hmm. that we were doing for a while where it it visits a bunch of different sports with a PE coach and it's not super competitive. Mm -hmm. They're teaching them skills. And then, you know, you can see like, oh, wow, he's actually really good at that and really loves that. And he's asking for more of that. Okay, well, then what Mm -hmm. can we find that still honors our family within that realm? The other thing I wanted to throw in there is sports, um, while they're not like my favorite thing and they're not something I'm like, oh, I really hope my child is a football player. (laughs) I do think there's more than just the sport that your child is gaining by being on a sports team. Sure. Especially as a homeschool family where there aren't a lot of other authorities in your child's life. I think that's a huge thing Mm -hmm. that's really important to our family is to put our children in positions where they have other authorities, other teachers, other trainers that we trust that can um, give them direction and they learn how to listen. They learn how to obey them. They learn how to respect Mm -hmm. them. And so that doesn't have to be in a sports situation, but I would like some situations like that for my children. Sure. And then the other thing is working with others, you know, working on a team to accomplish a goal, practicing hard so that they can get better. That can be done with music. That can be done with a lot of things. Mm -hmm. But that's something we've talked a lot about um, for our children, that we want to put them in positions where there's a little bit of pressure to have to go home and practice something Mm -hmm. so that they can do well, so that they can get better at something. And then also losing. (laughs) One of my children is really bad at losing. And so (laughs) as uncomfortable as it is for us as parents, we put him in positions Mm-hmm. that he might lose sure, so that he can work on his emotional regulation in that mm-hmm. environment. And so rather than putting him on a team that, you know, doesn't honor our family, that I don't know the coach, that I'm not there to help him. Mm-hmm. The alternative is something like the sports camp that we did over the summer. It was one week. They chose a sport. He did basketball. My daughter did soccer. I was there on the sidelines, able to support him if he struggled. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the week, I said, did you guys like that sport? Would you be interested in, you know, learning more about that? One said no. One said yes. The one that said yes, I found out that same company that does that one-week camp does a six-week in the fall mm-hmm. where it's like one night a week for six weeks and like one game every other week. You know, so like trying to find you can do sports in a way that honors your family, mm-hmm. in a way that mm-hmm. honors your child. But I'm with you on there's a lot of other things you know, sports seems to be the thing in our country where it's like every student's sure. doing, a, every child's doing a sport. But there are so many amazing resources, at least in my city, and even specifically for homeschoolers that I want my children to be exposed to. Woodworking class, working at a mm-hmm. farm. You know, this year my kids are going to be going to a sewing class. You know, music. There's so many things that, creative things that you can really track down and be like, my child's inclined to love Legos. Well, he could be involved in a Lego engineering course, you know? Right. And that's something with homeschooling that I feel like opens up a huge world for children as you're being able to curate mm-hmm. your life and your schedule and what they do, you know, to their specific desires, needs, interests. Um, when it comes to having lots of children and honoring our schedule, practically speaking, if I can find someone that will come to my house and do a piano lesson or um, right. somewhere that's really nearby that doesn't cut into dinner time, 
or doesn't cut into our evening time, I mean, that's Mm -hmm. the sweet spot for me. If it's between our school time and dinner time and also doesn't interrupt my toddler's nap. So it's got to be like, right. time, <laughs> uh-huh. um, then I'll do it. But if it's mm-hmm. 30 minutes away at the, at a wrong time, it's an immediate no for me. Right. Because there's no way that I can stay on top of being faithful at our homeschooling, honoring. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's important to us too to eat dinner together every single night. Yeah. I don't want to yeah. be running out at dinner time trying to find food. Like I just, that's not the life I want. Mm-hmm. And so those are some of the things. And then carpooling, with other friends that their kids are doing activities when you have little ones and you don't want to keep be running around, you know, we might do like this sewing class. I have a friend that's going to be doing it. So we're going to take turns doing pickup and drop off and things like that. Mm -hmm. So those are just some practical things that I've done to kind of still maintain our rhythm where we're home base, slow living, and really just choose things that are really honoring to that. Mm -hmm, For sure. I love so many things that you said. And I, I think that it's so important, you know, you kind of touched on really, evaluating your kid and their needs and talents because you know I my answer to sports for example is coming from a family where none of my kids are going to grow up to be professional athletes they're just not we have not seen that inclination in any mm-hmm. of them I think there's there's kind of two sides of the coin here that I want to highlight one to give grace to families that hey you, your kids don't have to play organized sports you know I think that that was kind of like because I grew up in Oklahoma and Texas where you know football is life and sports are life and so I think that I had this idea early on in parenting that like, oh, my kids have to play sports. That's just what you do because we live in Texas. And then once (laughs) I realized like, oh, they actually don't, they can, uh, you know, pursue other athletic interests. Like my kids love to play disc golf and they're really Mm -hmm. good at it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I would have never considered that as an option, you know, because I and my husband both grew up with the very like traditional sports, you know, basketball and football and, you know, track things that are a little bit more common. And so again, I want to give grace that like, Hey, if you find that something different works for your family, then there's grace for that. You know, your kids don't have to play organized sports. And then again, like you said, if your kid has an interest in something, then I think there is space to figure out how to make that work while still honoring, you know, your own family culture, your child's interests, you know, your Mm -hmm. needs as a, a parent. And so I just, I really loved your answer to all of that. And I also do love the point that you made about just having other people instructing your kids. And that is, I think is Mm -hmm. such a big priority or needs to be a priority for homeschool families because our kids are, you know, receiving their instruction primarily from us as moms and dads. And I think that it's so important to have exposure to other, you know, Mm -hmm. trusted adults that they can um, submit to and respond to. And Mm -hmm. on that note, you know, I would love to talk through the conversation of, you know, homeschooling in the light of it being like sheltering to our kids and, you know, how do we pursue like socialization? I would love to kind of dive into this conversation because I think that's what I personally always thought about homeschool. You know, as someone who grew up in public school, that was always the sort of standard answer that people gave when, uh, you know, talking about homeschool is that like, oh, homeschool kids are sheltered and they're not socialized. And, and it's funny now as a homeschool mom, I'm like, I don't find that to be true, actually, because my kids are getting Mm -hmm. a lot of interaction with adults and with kids who are older than them. And, you know, as opposed to being confined to, okay, my six-year-old is around six-year-olds all day. Now (laughs) my kids are around, you know, teenagers that are, you know, just precious, sweet children who still, you know, respect their mom and dad, you know, who who would have thought that teenagers could do that. And they're around adults at the grocery store. And I would just love to hear your take on this and, you know, how, this is fleshed out in your family culture, because I think that's just one of the biggest lies around homeschool is that, you know, the kids are sheltered or they're not, you know, around people enough. And I'm like, I feel like the opposite is actually 
true if you yeah. are intentional about it. Yeah. I mean, that's what I was going to say. Like, it kind of comes back to like, is the mom antisocial? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, the kids probably will be. Sure. And that, you know, I mean, because then no, they're not around a, a whole bunch of other kids. If the mom is, is not finding groups and, you know, mm-hmm. getting out there. I, I have uh, the opposite problem where my kids have too many friends. Like yeah. <laughs> we, we have, it's hard for us to say no to all the things that all of our homeschool friends want to do. And I'm like, okay, we actually need to do school. Right. <laughs> yeah. I ha- I feel like this is the funniest lie because mm-hmm. to me, some of the other ones have some validity where I'm like, okay, I can understand why you believe that. But this one is just sure. hilarious to me because in school, they're sitting in a desk and they have, they're told to be quiet. Okay. And then just because they have a quote friend at school, how much more are they seeing that friend, getting to know that friend, mm. you know, really engaging with them. And then you switch school years and you don't even see that person anymore unless the parent is intentional. So it really comes back right. to intentionality regardless. But in homeschooling, we have more time to be intentional. And so, mm-hmm. and the relationships can span years and years and years. So I lead a wild and free group. It's a homeschool community group. We meet every single Friday in the woods. I've been leading it for four years now. My kids have the closest best friends that honestly, I don't foresee ever ending like these relationships. Mm -hmm. We go on a yearly hiking trip with them. This is every single Friday. We're out in the woods with, you know, 15 other families, just loads and loads of nature kids running around barefoot. I love that. And they're their very Uh best friends. And then during the week, some of them are, we're closer to some than others. So we have them over for dinner. We know the parents, Mm -hmm. we know their siblings. Like these are like lifelong connections that our kids are going to have forever, Mm -hmm. you know? And then the parents are involved because I'm there. So I'm getting to know this person's mom. Well, that means we're going to see them more. So that means their friendship is going to have more time to grow because I'm going to be hanging out Mm -hmm. with the mom, going different places, going to their house for dinner, things like that. Right. And then, yeah, all the different ages. That's a point I always make that when in your life are you ever segregated with only your age? And so my children don't even think of that. My four-year-old's very best friend is a seven-year-old girl because they just, their personalities clicked. I love it. They had similar interests at Wild and Free. So now they're Mm -hmm. best friends and nobody thinks it's weird because you would be close with your seven-year-old sister. So why not this girl? And they're best buddies. Right. And Uh so I think that, you know, that whole segregation that school has really put on children in general, like, oh, you're a freshman hanging out with a senior. That's so, you know, nerdy or whatever. Why? Mm -hmm. You know, and that's just not something my kids even know exists. Right. Like you can just be friends with anybody, any age. And, you know, like you said, they're around teenagers in our church community that, Mm -hmm. you know, like love their parents, are honoring to their parents. Um, They're, you know, helping in their kids' classes. And, you know, they're, they're getting, they're building relationships with them because that's who they're around. My kids have zero problem with socialization. It is the biggest lie but it does take some intentionality on the mom's part. And I think for someone who's not a very social person, it might be a little more difficult for me. It has not been a problem whatsoever to socialize Mm -hmm. my children. Yeah. I love that answer. Um, We've touched on a couple things in light of this question. I I would love to talk more about, you know, supporting our own, you know, emotional, physical, spiritual health and energy as moms. I know that you said that, you know, you have this very cherished carved out time in the morning. That's just for you. And I would love to talk through other ways, you know, how can we really 
make sure that we as moms are not like spiraling toward burnout? You know, how can we curate and support our own, you know, hobbies, desires, and needs as homeschool moms? I'd love to hear how you do that, you know, for yourself. And, you know, I I would love to share, you know, kind of my own journey here too, but I would Mm -hmm. love to talk through how we can really prioritize our own mental, physical, you know, health while being a full-time homeschool mom. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I recently, I've been talking a lot about this on Instagram lately because I feel like that's one of people's fears, you know, Mm -hmm. like I'm going to lose myself. And I think motherhood in general, this is a question for all mothers, you know, how do you care for yourself? And it is those different categories, you know, asking yourself, like, what do I need spiritually? How do I get that time? And going back to a daily rhythm, because truly there's no other way for me than to actually be intentional with my time than to have a plan. Even if it's a loose plan, if I don't have a plan to spend time in the word first thing, then it's not going to happen. Or if I don't have a meal plan for the week, then I'm not going to have nourishing food in my home to make sure that I'm, you know, supported in that way. All these different things. I think, you know, writing down what those things are for you and then planning them into your life and into your rhythms to help make sure that you're hitting those things and just constantly trying, you know, it's like you can't do Mm -hmm. everything. So you know, just trying harder, you know, and constantly trying new things and seeing what works. Um, so some of the main ones for me are connecting with my husband, making sure that our marriage is strong. Um, we both get up early. So we spend some time early in the morning, even if I'm baking bread or, you know, looking over my homeschool lessons, he's sitting there and we're having a 30 minute conversation about our day and about our hearts and whatever. Every other Friday night, we have a sitter and we go on a date. Um, and we try to do things that are, you know, friend, we try to like cultivate our friendship. Mm-hmm. So go mountain biking, go listen to live music, like not just go sit somewhere at a restaurant and talk about our kids, mm-hmm. but like try to do things that like remind us of who we are as people and who we are as friends. So our relationship and then it, spiritually, you know, reading books, listening to podcasts, reading the word of God, journaling, praying. I'm involved in a women's group, even though I'm so tired. I go to this women's group every Tuesday night, every week. I'm like, Oh, I'm just so tired. I don't even know how I'm going to do this. But then I get there and I leave feeling so filled up by other followers of Jesus that are, you know, encouraging me and I'm watching them flesh out their Mm -hmm. faith. And it's challenging me, you know, attending a church and trying to just like intentionally in my mind, like this is a time I'm going to worship and I'm going to not be distracted by all the other things it's a discipline of the mind a lot of times to engage spiritually. Mm-hmm. And then emotionally and relationally, we can get so like caught up in our everyday life that it's hard to cultivate friendships. But mm-hmm. I think it's super important as women to have women in our lives. And so um, even if it's through texting or I love the app Marco Polo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> have you ever heard of this app? Oh, I'm obsessed. You should see my okay, screen time so- on Marco Polo. <laughs> Exactly. So I Marco Polo, my friends, you know, all day long, like I'm doing dishes. I'm rather than just like scrolling on social media, like investing in a relationship that's real Mm -hmm. is something that I really, I really cherish. And then really trying to invest in the friendships, you know, choose who those people are and be a good friend. Yeah. You know, what you put in is what's going to, you're going to receive as well. So being vulnerable with, with the people in your life and supporting Mm. them and encouraging them and being there for them, as much as that might seem like more work, like having those strong relationships is actually also feeding our souls. Mm -hmm. So those are just some of the things. And then, you know, on a physical level, moving our bodies and eating nourishing food, which is how I found you because I was on a journey of, you know, I actually have a similar um, health background with paleo 
mm-hmm. and stuff. And like a little bit of keto, which lasted two minutes because I felt right. terrible. Because <laughs> it's the worst. Because <laughs> it's the worst. Um, but yeah, probably in the last year, like learning more about ancestral eating and, you know, nourishing my body. And that's what I found you. And like, you know, in that is also kind of like a hobby for me. Sure. Is like learning how to make sourdough bread mm-hmm. and like researching these things. It's fun for me. I enjoy being in the kitchen. I enjoy those kinds of things. And so that I like finding hobbies that also support my family. Yeah. And so, you know, it's like, okay, if I, if I'm spending all this energy doing a hobby and it fills me up and it also helps my family, then that's a win. Yes. And so cooking and, you know, learning all of these things and researching and listening to podcasts about these things and geeking out over food, like that fills me up emotionally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, yeah, those are just some of the things that I try to do and fit into my life. And I think if you're going to say yes to something, you always have to say no to something else. Mm-hmm. And so I don't watch television. It doesn't support my brain. It doesn't, mm-hmm. it, it, it might for someone else actually be a good way for them to check out and like sure. feel energetic after it is not for me. You know, I have very strict social media boundaries, even though that's people are always blown away by that because like my whole life is on social media. Well, I can't, I can't do everything I do and have a creative mind and be free to think and be engaged right. with my children if I'm also addicted to social media. And so setting up some of those mm-hmm. boundaries that have really given me the margin to be a creator and, you know, to mm-hmm. do all the things that I do is because I had to say no to something. So what's sucking the life out of you? Yeah. What's not, you know, filling your cup and saying no to those things so that you can say yes to the things that really do. Mm. That was such a beautiful answer. I love that you touched on the requirement sometimes that, you know, you do have to sacrifice something that's not life-giving to pursue something that is life-giving. And I think that's where a lot of moms struggle is because, you know, we we exist in such a technology-driven society that a lot of the time our, quote, you know, refreshment time is actually draining because we're sitting there on our phones or, you know, watching TV or whatever yeah. that might be. And so I love that you really gave such a beautiful, holistic answer that, you know, your refreshment as a homeschool mom often has little to do with homeschool that, you know, you're pouring into your marriage, your friendships, your time in scripture, you know, all of these things just give you this well-rounded refreshment as opposed to, you know, something that's maybe fleeting, like, you know, again, sitting on your phone or whatever tendencies that we might have to kind of just feel a bit mindless for a bit, you know, you're pouring into things that truly are life giving to you and then in turn your family. And I just think that's, you know, such a a beautiful answer. And then in terms of, you know, homeschool too, I'm not going to add anything to the other elements because I think you just answered it so beautifully and so perfectly that, you know, having time with your spouse and your friends and community. and, And another thing that I found just so refreshing for me in this season is again, you know, pulling in my own interests and desires into homeschool. So, you know, the love of read alouds and classic stories and, Mm -hmm. you know, simply pulling that into our homeschool year this year has made me exponentially more excited about being an educator. And so I think that it's also so important to cultivate this homeschool life where it doesn't feel like you need a constant break from it, you know? And I think that that's how I felt in past years. Granted, some of this has to do with the life season you're in, the age of your kids, you know, their capacity for learning, all of that yeah. plays a part. But I do think that we as uh, home educators can 
you know, create this environment where school is fun for everybody involved, including mom. And then you have these beautiful life-giving things that you get to supplement it with instead of feeling like, oh my gosh, I can't wait for the school day to be over so that I can do all these other things that are life-giving. You know, I think that we can really make every area of our life just so, you know, beautiful. And so I just, I love the answer that you gave there. To kind of wrap up, this has been a beautiful conversation. I want to ask a couple more kind of big picture things. I would love to hear what are your top five favorite things about homeschooling? Oh gosh, that's a loaded question. How can you narrow it down, right? No, I'll be quick. Um, <laughs> I think we've touched on a lot of that. So it's, it's probably going to be more of like a summary of what I've shared. But I think sure. number one would be like just the margins that you can create for your family. I'm not rushing out the door. I am at eight o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. this morning. I'm outside in my pajamas with my cup of coffee. My kids are riding bikes. And they don't know what time it is and nobody cares. And I'm chatting with the right. neighbor and it's just the slow life. You know, it's a slower life um, than running people around all the time. And what that offers for my children, not just for me, but that time to pursue their own interests and to, you know, just play and have unstructured time uh, so many hours of their day. Um, I think too, the connections, the next thing would be like the connections that I have with my children because of the amount of time that I get with my children. You can have an amazing relationship with your children if your children go to school, for sure. But the the hours that I'm spent with my children is going to produce a deeper connection with them. And so connections with, you know, we read this book together and we're laughing together over this book. And then a week later, we see this thing in the store that reminds us of this book. So then we're laughing about that. And we're like, oh, do you remember when we learned about that thing? You know, we're, we're traveling and we see a Cherokee in, Indian reservation and my daughter brings up, oh, I remember when we learned about that. So mm-hmm. it's all these life connections that like make me feel more involved in my kids' lives. It makes me feel more connected to their hearts, their minds. It makes me understand mm-hmm. them more. That makes me love them so much. It makes me enjoy them as a person more because we have all these inside jokes and these connections and this, sh- this shared connection and enjoyment through most of them through books, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and experiences would be the two things. And then number three would be that we are the main influence. So whatever my husband and I value, um, we're going to pour into them. Do we value my children to understand, have a biblical worldview? Uh, Then that's what we're going to prioritize in our homeschool. Do we value that they would, you know, honor each other or have emotional regulation or, you know, good teamwork, like whatever those things are that are important to your family, you can make those a part of the priority of your days. And so you literally get to be the number one influence in their lives and teach whatever things are important to you as a person and as a family. An individualized education would be another one. Really being able to let your child go at their own pace. Mm -hmm. So, you know, my third grader might be doing fifth grade math and he doesn't even know it. He's just moving along at the pace that's good for him while Mm -hmm. my second grader might be doing first grade math and she doesn't even know it. She's just progressing as makes sense for her. She's challenged. She feels confident. She's not comparing herself to anyone else. She has an individualized education and that's the way that it should be. And then, you know, not only subject levels, but interests. You know, if my child is obsessed with dinosaurs, then you better believe that we're going to be learning math or whatever the struggle is Mm -hmm. through this lens of dinosaurs because they're going to be excited about it. If they hate workbooks, we're going to turn it into a game. If everybody's tired, we're going to go outside and do our schoolwork. So it's individualized per child, per family, per mom, (laughs) per day. Mm -hmm. I mean, everything can be adapted to your needs, your desires, your wants. That is just a gift, a huge gift. Mm -hmm. And then I think just this ability to invest in them as a whole person. 
Like the other day we were in the middle of a lesson. My son was super frustrated and he had a major meltdown. If he was in a classroom setting, it would be, you need to be separated from us because we have a goal here to move forward in this lesson. There is no other choice in a classroom. He would need to be sent Mm -hmm. somewhere else or sat down and he would not be supported in that moment to grow as a person. What we did instead was we're going to take a break from what we're learning because right now the bigger lesson is helping him get through his emotions. And so I spent 30 minutes working through that and that was school for him for that 30 minutes, Mm -hmm. not the lesson Mm -hmm. we were doing because at the end of the day, I want him to be able to handle his emotions and frustration and know how to respond when he's overwhelmed more than I care if he understands this lesson right now. And so it's, it's, it's seeing them as a whole person and being able to pour into them as a whole being, spiritual being, investing in that side of them all day, every day, because you're with them and viewing education as that and putting that as priorities in your homeschool life. So those were kind of quick, but those are kind of my top. I love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. I will never forget. I feel like one of the biggest revelations that I've had about homeschooling, you know, because I, I mentioned my oldest did go to public kindergarten for the first like three fourths of a year before he came home. And the first, you know, several months of adjusting to him being home were just chaotic. You know, it just felt like, you know, he was used to being in a public school setting. We had to adjust. And I remember just feeling so overwhelmed and frustrated that he would be so overwhelmed and frustrated with Mm. the lessons and that sometimes he would, you know, have these big emotional responses, you know, tears or frustration or whatever it was. And I think through some conversations with some friends, there was this moment where it just hit me that, okay, if he were in a school setting, he would have been feeling these same emotions about Mm -hmm. whatever it is that he was struggling with. He would have internally felt the frustration that he didn't know what was going on. He would have felt that internal you know, sadness that he couldn't master a principle, but at home, he has the safety to express that. And I think that's one of the most beautiful things about homeschooling, you know, although yes, like you said, we do have to just stop a lesson sometimes because, you know, our kids, emotional health and talking through those feelings and those responses is the most important thing we can do in that moment. We have the gift as homeschool moms to be able to walk through those emotions with them instead of them being suppressed in, you know, an organized school setting. And I think that's, you know, it's really easy to look at your child having an outburst and think, gosh, this is just so hard. You know, they wouldn't act like this at school. It's just so hard. But the truth is they're getting to reveal their innermost, you know, feelings in the safety of mom's presence. And I, I think that that was just such a huge I don't know, revelation to me as an early homeschool mom that, you know, my kids feel safe enough with me. They can process these emotions and we can stop the lesson and we can focus on that. Mm -hmm. And And that's actually serving them better. Absolutely. That's serving them better because you're teaching them how to manage that so that when they are in an environment where that is not the norm, you know, or they don't feel as safe because they will be in those environments and we need Mm -hmm. to equip them so that they know what to do with those emotions. But if they're never given an opportunity to be equipped with us in a safe place, then what are they going to do? They're just going to keep suppressing and suppressing. Right, right. Oh, man, it's such a, a huge um, concept and such a freeing thing to just, you know, give our, our kids and ourselves grace. Um, and to wrap up our last kind of big picture question, I would love to hear what your top pieces of advice are for homeschool moms. <laughs> I think take a deep breath relax Mm -hmm. and to realize that, like I said, at the very beginning, so we're kind of coming full circle that 
homeschooling is an extension of parenting. And so you're already a mother. You already have your children's best interest at heart. So adding in this idea of home education, it's not it's not a new role. It's just an extension of what you already do. You already put your children first. You already look out for their best interests. And so not to be intimidated by this thing that you're adding to your life, but realize that you're just integrating something new in your, in your routine, in your rhythm. But the same way that you teach them to cook or you teach them to tie your shoe, you can teach them to read. You don't have to have some special training. Nobody trained you on how to love your child. You just do it. And it's the same thing with all of these things. Like, and there's so many resources out there that can, you know, help you with the actual content of what you're teaching them. That's not the biggest question. You know, that's not the biggest hurdle. And so you, that can, that's so easy to handle. It's the getting, you know, getting to that point where you're ready to commit. Like I'm ready to actually, like we said earlier, like a lot of, there's a lot out there of like, oh, it's just free and fun. And it is, but there is a responsibility to it. And I, I try to speak into that because we need to own that responsibility and say, I'm going to take this seriously. I'm going to invest in this, you know? And when you do that, it's so beautiful. And it's so wonderful when you surrender it, when you surrender to that and say like, this is an important calling that I have Mm -hmm. and I can do this and I will do this excellently. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so I love that. Lindsay, this has been such a good conversation. I appreciate you coming on so, so much. And um, for you guys listening, we will absolutely include links to Lindsay's Instagram, her website. You have got to go just binge her profile for a while. She's got free downloads. Um, she has some beautiful homeschool resources, curriculum. Um, I have an embarrassing amount of her stuff at this point. <laughs> her planner has been just a godsend this year. This is the first year I've done a homeschool planner and I absolutely have loved yours. Um, so okay. we will link all of Lindsay's goodies in the show notes. And um, I also do keep a discount code for some of her stuff in my Instagram bio link. Um, so definitely go connect with Lindsay and you know look through her stuff online. She's got stuff for co-ops. She's got stuff for individual use. Um, just a lot of really beautiful resources, free downloads. Again, she's got this great list of read-alouds that I just absolutely loved. So Lindsay is just a fantastic voice and resource and it's just so cute and fun on Instagram. I love her profile. So <laughs> Lindsay, thank you again for joining us today. Um, you've thank just you been such a gift so to fun. have on. Yeah. And thank you guys for listening. We will see you on the next episode. Thank you.